Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. This is the Leaf Sky Podcast. Here's your host, Jim Taddy. Thank you, Rossi. Mike Ross, PA announcer at Scotiabank Arena with that fine introduction, and welcome to episode 25 of Leaf Sky. Jim Taddy with you for the next 40 minutes or so. We've got two guests today. The regular Tuesday guest, Bill Waters, is here. He's the former Leafs assistant general manager. And Dave McCarthy from SiriusXM NHL Network Radio and also NHL.com. Before we get going, this reminder, basketball season won't be around forever, so get in on all the action now with DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports. DraftKings is giving new players a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. Claim your free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes when using the code TBPN during sign-up. Playing daily fantasy basketball is simple. Just pick your lineup, stay under the salary cap, see how your team stacks up against the competition. Feel the sweat like never before. Every dunk, steal, assist means so much more with a DraftKings Daily Fantasy lineup. Baseball fans, you may have missed out on the season-long fantasy, so now is the time to get in on all the daily fantasy action where DraftKings has even more ways to make it rain. With DraftKings, payday comes every day for players, so what are you waiting for? Head to the app now. Here is the call to action. Download the DraftKings app now. Use the code TBPN during sign-up. This week, DraftKings is putting you in the action with a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. That's the code TBPN, and you can get a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Okay, on to the hockey story. So fun with numbers here. We always go back to those three games at Edmonton, 4-0, 3-0, 6-1, Dreisaitl, one point, McDavid, zip. And after that, the Leafs go into a swoon, 1-6, although there are some really close losses. Let's see, there are three 4-3 losses and a 4-2 and a 3-1. So really, I mean, the 1-6 is kind of misleading. The 1 was an overtime win, so really it's it's 0-6 because the overtime would not be the same in the playoffs. So that's that run. How did they answer that? Well, they go 7-0-1. Now, of the 7-0-1, we can throw out the 1 because it's an overtime loss, and there are, let me do some quick looking here, there are 3 games, 2 overtimes, and a shootout win, so really the record from 0-6, if you want to be really strict about it, becomes 4-0. Uh, if you go to the last four games, 3-1 in Winnipeg, 2-1 shootout. Let's throw that out. So 3-1 in Winnipeg, 4-2 in Calgary Sunday, 5-3 in Calgary on Monday night. Those are impressive. Uh, this is a different Leafs team. Uh, the, the three in Edmonton tell you that they can dominate. If you let them dominate, they're going to shut you down and have their way with you. But if you get a little sloppy or, or you push back, like I would say Winnipeg did and Calgary did, uh, the Leafs can play in the moment. They can respond. Monday night's game, classic. I mean, there's that power play. What the heck is that? That power play. 
oh my, so tentative, so slow, so ineffective. And so in the Monday night game, the Leafs are up 3-2 on a power play. Backlund scores, and all of a sudden it's tied at three, shorthanded. Now, in the past, that would have been a death of any Leafs team, but this team, 45 seconds later, Matthews scores 4-3. Tavares scores less than two minutes after that, and all of a sudden it's 5-3, and that's how the Leafs win. Now, this is, as I said, a different Leafs team. The Monday night game was not exactly their best in terms of executing properly. They they frittered things away. They were up 2-0. It was tied at 2. They go up 3-2, and then it's 3-3. But the Leafs had battle there, and based on some pretty good goaltending from Jack Campbell, they were able to win, and this is something that you would carry forward into the playoffs. So things don't, in a playoff game, as you know, don't go by a script. There's a lot of things that happen in the spur of the moment, and the Leafs are able to respond. I like that. That is a, an impressive fact to say about this team, and they've developed that after the, going in that 1-6 and six or 0-6 oh run, however you want to categorize it, in 7-0-1 oh or 4-0. and oh. Either way, the numbers sort of tell you what happened and what did not happen there. First bit of analysis, Bill Waters, former Leafs assistant general manager. Pretty good effort by the Leafs again last night, and uh, clearly in the two Calgary games, when they got backed into a corner, they could respond, and, and they did, didn't they? Yeah, in both games, they, they they played the way they had to play. They didn't want to give up early goals and change the tone of the whole game because if you get down 3 nothing on a Daryl Sutter team, you're pretty well finished, and the Leafs never let that happen. Uh, in the first game, Hutchison was solid in the uh, first period and the rest of the game, for that matter, after they got a goal. He, was, he made some saves that were, you know, good chances, and uh, last night it was the same uh, with uh, uh, with Jack the Cack. I mean, he was there when they needed him and played a solid game. Uh, the Leafs are probably scratching their heads as to what they're going to do with Freddie. But I, I would just leave him and let him get healthy and healed up and see if he comes back to uh, uh, his top five form because that's going to be a significant um, uh, observation as the playoffs go on. If you don't have that top-flight goaltending, uh, it's going to be more difficult. And uh, uh, when one guy wins nine straight, they've had pretty good goaltending. Yeah, Jack Campbell with nine straight, uh, tying Felix Potvin uh, from the start of the season, Jacques Plant, and uh, the other guy's name, uh, John Ross Roach from, from 1925. We all remember that. <laughs> oh, yes. George Ainsworth, yeah. <laughs> Some pretty good goalies. Yeah, yeah, Hall of Famers. Um, so let's get into the power play because, I mean, everything's working well for the Leafs, but the power play. They finally got one last night, but that was right after they gave up a shorthanded goal. I mean, this thing is in slow motion. It's tentative, isn't it? Yeah, and, and I don't have any explanation for it. Uh, I mean, it's it's coincident with uh, Wayne Simmons coming back. And to me, he was an asset to that. So yeah. maybe they have to adjust his positioning or something. I, I don't know. There's too much talent on it, not the score. And one player shouldn't deter from it. But if you look at the history of it, I think when uh, Simmons came back from his injury, that's when it all dried up like a prune. And before Simmons' injury, that power play was clicking him in like Johnny B. Good. Everyone was a you know everyone was a winner. So it, it's interesting. Uh, for a coach to sit and say, okay, what can I do now? I've made changes to a successful power play, and I've screwed it up. 
let's get back to the normal power play. And the, the, the one that was so strong and in the 30% range. So I, I would think that uh, uh, the coach will have to uh, readjust on that particular part of his machinery. Yeah, it's just it's an odd look because, I mean, literally everybody's having good runs, but when you put them on the power play, it just it's like um, they're just at a different speed. They don't know where they're supposed to be or the, the puck doesn't move around fast and, and it moves around in the periphery. There's just no chemistry there, I guess, is the best way to describe it. Well, it's almost like they're waiting to find Matthews open and they cir- uh, circulate the puck in that fashion. And if he's not open, it goes around again. Yeah. That is not the way. You can't start favoring people because every team that plays Toronto knows that if you can dry up Matthews, you've just taken 25 goals out of their arsenal. So you're going to do it. So you better start leaning on Tavares, uh, leaning on uh, Marner. You can't lean on him much more. He sets everything up. But uh, uh, Nylander is a guy that can start putting them in. They've got to find somebody other than Matthews that can drill them home. And Matthews has been possessed lately. He looks really good. You can see sort of the uh, the risk getting better by the game to the point where in the Monday night game, he was dominant. He won that game for the Leafs, in my opinion. How about you? Yeah, he, he was. He said, uh, I'll take this one on my shoulders because he has that capability. When, when he's playing, he's worth the price of admission. He's a very talented uh, he's getting more mature physically and mentally, and uh, he's only going to get better. And, and uh, it, it'll be interesting to see just how good he becomes. So now we have a four-game sample size to go over. We've got two wins against Winnipeg, albeit one in the shootout, and two over Calgary. And, and I like these games because in some respects they do near playoff games. The Calgary, in that they were back-to-back nights, that's uh, close quarters, and the Winnipeg series was good because Winnipeg is a good hockey team and the Leafs found their way to get through. And I think that's really how I would describe the Leafs now is they find a way, don't they? Well, it, 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 it appears that when they get time to prepare for a good team, they usually play them intelligently. And, and that's happened with Edmonton. That's happened with Winnipeg. And Montreal is coming up on uh, Wednesday night. We'll see how intelligently they attack that but uh the leafs have a method in their madness and yet you and i can't explain the six or seven games they went without winning what method was that that's something they have to eliminate they they can't play like that they're too good and consequently uh they got to get those losing streaks out of their system because when the playoffs come only four of the game is uh, on your losing streak, and you're out. See you later. Yeah, so that that gap after the after the Edmonton sweep, they went one and six. The one was an overtime win, and after the one and six run, they go seven zero oh, and one. Uh, there are some extras wins there, like overtimes and shootouts. But to go from one and six to seven zero oh, and one, that's remarkable. I mean, that there's your battle with adversity, isn't it? Yeah, and and. No one came into the lineup that was going to make any difference except Galchenyuk. And he's played reasonably well, but he's not a difference maker. So you don't have any uh, roster situations that enhanced your power play or made you a better team. It's the same group. And uh, they've got to find a way to keep that group a, a consistent group, find a way that 
they're well aware of what they're faced with and how they're going to have to play them because they fall behind and then it's a different hockey game. Once they've fallen behind, uh, you're able to put the center ice lock on them, uh, the right wing lock, the Peterborough freeze, you name it. It's don't let them come to within shooting distance of the goal. Well, you're right. I mean, so you had Galchenyuk and, and Simmons comes back, and but in the meantime, uh, Matthews was injured and Freddie went out, and so did Campbell at one point. So it's not like they called in the reinforcements. They they battled through not only game situations but roster situations, and you know to come out of that and go seven zero and one, nothing short of yeah. phenomenal in my books. Well, it tells you a lot about that team. It, it I, I think we both know it has the potential to be a top four team in the National Hockey League. And it may realistically end up being just that. But the challenge for the Leafs is not to get out of the Scotiabank division. It's to win a round uh, in the, one of the two playoffs, the conference final uh, or the Stanley Cup. And, and uh, that's, that's, a, that's a big order to put in. Uh, without knowing what you're faced with and knowing how you have to play each uh, opponent. You can't just go in there and play it as another game. You better be tactically alert, and if you're not, they'll eat you up. So next week at this time, we'll be talking about what they did at the deadline. The deadline is Monday at 3 in the afternoon Eastern. And so when you look at the Leafs, they've got, as I speak right now, $186,000 in cap space, which, by the way, isn't too bad. There are... Ten teams in this league with zero cap space. The Leafs sit at thirteenth. But you know, having having said that, with that limited cap space and what you said about you know what happens in in the third and fourth round for the Leafs, if you are Kyle Dubas and you believe you can get there, how do you approach that deadline? Are you are you looking for somebody to help you later in the playoffs, or how would you go after this? Well, I think if you're if you're not going to go fishing in deep water, you better get another defenseman who can play in your top five. And, you know, that defense, the way it's played, with no big hullabaloo, deserves to be left intact. They've they've played very well, and there's no reason to change. So that's your insurance deal. Uh, If you get something in the meantime that's top four, you take it. I don't know why you would go after another forward based on what you'll have to give up. Paul Mary is not one of my favorites. If you can get a guy like Felino who brings an intangible to a team, I'd look at him if I didn't have to overpay. But it's a difficult proposition for Dubas, and his success in trading has not been his forte. He's done well with getting free agents as he did last summer. But you look at the trades he makes, they, they, they sometimes don't turn out as well as he'd hoped. So I, I, I don't think you should be fiddling too much with it. I think this team, when prepared well and having their minds in the right orbit, they can play with anybody. And uh, when you get to the playoffs, it's going to be tough no matter who it is. Uh, if you get Tampa Bay, if you end up getting Washington or Pittsburgh, the Leafs can play with them or against them. They're just going to have to be sure that their goaltending will stand up to the pressure. Yeah, and, and I think the goaltending. Sure that... Sorry, I think the goaltending question is is key because to get out of your own division, you're going through some pretty good goalies, aren't you? Yes, you are. 
Yes, you are. And I don't think they can take that chance, quite frankly, Jim. They, and there's been rumors about that they've been inquiring about goalies, some of whom are no better than the three they have, but they're still inquiring about it. And uh, I'm, not, I'm not impressed. I think the whole idea is to get uh, Freddie Anderson healthy, and if their doctors have told them that that's not a possibility, they better get looking. Yeah, and I, I don't know where that. you could find I, I don't know where you could find a goalie that fits into the top five like a healthy Freddie Anderson does. So you may be looking for something you can't find. Well, I would agree with that. I mean, like you go back over the trade deadline goalie acquisitions. That doesn't work out too often, does it? No, because uh, you know your goalie is your key guy, no matter who you, what your team is, and. Uh, you just can't. If something happens to your goalie, you've got to hope that you've got an insurance guy that can allow you to play. So there's no sense of giving either one of them away. Uh, I just uh, bring a guy out of retirement is the only possibility for me. Hmm. Um, I agree with what you said about the forwards. Uh, when I look at these forwards, and, and I think at some point they were talking about moving Kerfoot out, I wouldn't move him out. I wouldn't take away from what they had, I would try to add to it if, if you could, given the, the yes. slim cap space. Well, it, it, it's interesting to see what's available. Palmieri's all the talk. But, you know, by the time Calgary's going to try and stiff you with one of their guys, I, I wouldn't be interested in anybody on their team that might be on the available list because after three, uh, their talent diminishes and their determination uh, goes with it. I, I I don't know how Daryl Sutter is putting up with it. It's just just not a very good team. And uh, you you play hard, you can beat them. If you play hard and you're talented, you'll beat them every night. Well, and you know, to your point about the Leafs and the power play, that's how Calgary looks at full strength. They look tentative, don't they? Yes, they do. And, and you know what? That that's that's a conundrum that. Uh, uh, the coach and his staff are going to have to resolve because they created it. And when I say created it, quite accidentally, they changed it up to accommodate Wayne Simmons, and I would have too. But how could they yeah. have made it any better? And in so That's doing, right. they've broken its rhythm. Uh, so by the next time we talked, at least we'll have crossed the trade deadline, as we mentioned. They would have played Montreal, Ottawa, and Montreal again. What do you think they do? results-wise, in the next three games? Well, I would think that uh, if they win all of them, then the point has been made. They're ready to go, and they're quite capable of going. Uh, Losing to Ottawa again exposes a sore that never heals. They're never ready to play a team that is obviously beneath them in talent. And that Ottawa team's got so much talent. It's just raw talent. But Montreal will be ready to play. They want to position themselves in the playoffs. So those two games really will be the indicator uh, as to how badly the Leafs want to get first place. And if they get first place, who do they end up playing? Well, in the, in the division, they'll end up uh, playing probably Montreal. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be Toronto, Winnipeg, Edmonton, or any order of that, and then Montreal. So uh, uh, I don't know. They've they've uh, they've got they've got to uh, make some major decisions. But I don't think the decision that they're going to make 
is going to change their team or their results that much. They've got to work from within. How can we make our team play better right off the bat? Let's see what we got. When they played Edmonton, every game, bang, bang, bang. But you, you, you know, you don't, you don't know what caused that. You can't, you can't replicate those those conditions. But with that type of an offense, and you see the Tavares line starts playing well. Well, Cal- Calgary's barely got a line and a half, let alone three. So Tavares's line comes out as the third line. It makes it a lot easier uh, to perform. And and uh, I think that's something that they won't have the benefit of come the playoffs because at least each team in the playoff will have two solid lines and hopefully they'll all have a third line that can check. So I don't know if they're going to find any advantage there, but I don't, I'm not anxious to see them trade. I just don't know what they'll do with what's left there. They're, they're better off to try and address the problem. The power play is the problem because if you're snapping those in on a regular basis, the whole game changes. And once the Leafs get their comfort zone, a two, three goal lead, they're usually pretty solid. It's going to be interesting, Bill. Thanks very much. Chat next week. And now the second bit of analysis, Dave McCarthy from Sirius XM, NHL Network Radio and NHL.com in a conversation recorded outdoors. And there are more than one hints that that's the case. Okay, Dave, so we got a couple of sample sizes here. The, the big picture is after going 1-6 and six after sweeping Edmonton, they then go 7-0-1. Oh, uh, we could deal with that or also the last four games. Uh, so basically they win in regulation, win in a shootout, and win back-to-back on consecutive nights in Calgary. So two against Winnipeg, two against Calgary, 4-0. Not bad at all. Not shabby. Um, and, and I kind of like the way they're playing because they're really earning everything on a game-by-game basis, aren't they? They are. They're not playing um, freewheeling riverboat gambling style hockey, which, as we've become painfully aware of, uh, does not have success in the postseason. What they're what they're playing right now is really strong, sustainable postseason hockey where you don't necessarily have your A plus game every night. Um, Sometimes you're at an A minus. Sometimes you're at a B. You know, I'd argue on, on Saturday they were maybe closer to a B minus, or a Saturday, Sunday, uh, they were closer to a B minus. Uh, right. But, but they, didn't, they didn't roam around the ice. They weren't taking unnecessary chances. Uh, they just kept it under control. They went out every shift. Sometimes nothing happened, but that's okay. And then they were able to capitalize when their opportunities uh, came up or they, they took advantage of a break that, that went their way. Uh, like the goal on uh, Sunday that went off the skate of Hannafin. I mean, sometimes you just need to stay in the fight uh, and put yourself in a position to benefit from having a break go your way. If you're wheeling around the ice and you're giving up chances left, right, and center, um, and you're giving up three or four goals a game, and then you get one that goes in off a skate, well, that's nice. Now you're losing four to one. You know what I mean? So yeah. that that's uh, what I've seen, and trust me, the cops are not after me. It's just a. I was going to say you're on fire there. Oh, that's baby. You, you, you know. set off the alarms. By the way, just so everybody knows, Dave is outside today because it's a beautiful day when we're recording this, and and obviously he's not in downtown Buffalo, but. <laughs> but, but 
but he's he's on fire. <laughs> yes, but uh, so no, I, I I really like what I've seen from this Leafs team, especially these last couple of games against Winnipeg and Calgary. You play this type of hockey um, in the playoffs, you've got a chance to win not just games, Jim, but series. Yeah, well, that's that's actually where I was going to go to next because they're doing what they have to do within the confines of a game. And, and so, you know, you have the high-water mark of three consecutive wins in Edmonton where it's dominant from the opening face-off on, and the Oilers don't even get a sniff. But then you go into that trough, and you come out of the trough, and what you, you've added a layer to show that, I mean, these I'm not going to say these mimic a playoff series, but there are some elements here that you would take into a playoff series knowing that the team competes on a nightly basis and almost cleans the slate, not relying on what happened the night before. Certainly uh, in the, the Monday night special against Calgary game two of that series, uh, they were, you know, they frittered away things a couple of times and the old leaf team would have folded up. But yeah. but it's, the one thing about this team, I think you would say is part of their DNA is if they make a mistake, they atone for it in quick fashion. And they did that last night, didn't they? Yeah, I agree. It's it's no longer a case where, you know, like you remember back a couple of years or so ago, uh, they would either they would either run you out of the building or they just wouldn't have it. In my word, would it look ugly now when they don't necessarily have their A game, which I don't think they really had in either game against Calgary. They just kind of plot along and, and that's OK. Um, I, I thought Calgary was not nearly as good on on Monday as they were on Sunday. Uh, man, that Calgary team, you, you, oh, yeah, <laughs> like was Johnny, like, I feel savage saying this, but quite honestly, it's just the truth. Like was Johnny Gaudreau playing on Monday? Was Sean Monaghan playing? Like, I mean, if those are your best players, you're going to have a real tough time. Um, but, but the Leafs didn't play down to that level. They, um, they, they were structured. Um, part of maybe why it didn't look like they were playing Monaghan, Gaudreau, Calgary's top players is because the Leafs were really sound structurally and they didn't tax Jack Campbell all that much. He made some big saves, but generally he just he made the saves that he needed to make. Um, and then when they did sustain a breakdown, um, like they did toward the end of the first period there on Monday, which you know was not a great look, uh, they, they came out looking like a better team again in the second period and just continued to plot along and then they they got their breaks and away they went. So um, that it's a really encouraging sign to see from this team that Edmonton series was was peak Leafs. Like not only did they hold the opponent in check, but they also had their A plus game. It was dominance all over the ice. The the Calgary series, the last two games, um, you know, I don't think they had their A plus game. I think you'd average it out to maybe they had a B B plus game but they still found ways to win um, and in controlled fashion. Uh, and that, that to me is really, really encouraging to see. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, in Monday night's game, when Backlund scores shorthanded to tie it at three uh, in the past, that would have been an, Oh no. But then Matthew scores in the power play and Tavares scores uh, in quick fashion. And, and I like the... on that power play, just to interrupt uh, how they got things back in order. Cause that was a big key for yeah. me to take away from that game. We might have been going to be talking about it later, but man, the power play had been rough because I think they were getting a little bit too fancy. It almost seemed like after they gave up that shorthanded goal and then Sheldon Keefe called that timeout, um, to me, that I almost I said to myself at the time, I bet they score on the remainder of this power play here because that was almost like rock bottom. And it was almost like a message to say, okay, let's get away from the, the cross-eyes passes and the dancing around. 
let's just get the puck on net, bang away, and see what happens. And those are the types of goals you need to get in order to get out of funks. Yeah, first of all, sorry to hear that you're talking to yourself now. <laughs> Hopefully that goes away. Uh, the, the other point I want to bring up is, I, you know, I don't want to take away from the record that uh, Jack Campbell tied uh, last night with his ninth straight win. Uh, but I thought he was swimming on a couple of occasions where he seemed to lose his footing and was maybe overplaying. And, and I took note of that, not because it cost him the game, but, you know, I just, I don't know what to, I don't know what to buy into here with him because, because of the precariousness of, of his injury that, you know, maybe, you know, he played uh, when Friday and, and then played mm-hmm. on Monday and, and there's a, there was a noticeable difference in him. I thought. Yeah. He, um, I, I don't think he had his best game um, on, on Monday, uh, but I thought he was he was more than than serviceable. Um, if that's the type of goaltending you're going to get in the playoffs, I think you're going to be okay by and large as long as you're uh, playing in front of him the way they did. Um, but I'm I'm with you on the the broader picture though when it comes to Jack Campbell. Like in, in any other year. A goalie goes nine and zero for Toronto. They're build, building statues out front of the uh, the Scotia Bank Arena. They're putting them on Legends Row. He's got billboards. Uh, kids are saying, "Not I am Freddie Anderson, but I am Jack Campbell." Um, you know what I'm saying with that yep. ad, man? Did that come out at a tough time for uh, the good folks at that video game company with Freddie yep. Anderson? Um, but that's not our concern. Point is, um, I'm still not convinced that Jack Campbell is going to be a guy that you can rely upon for, say, 24 games over the span of, of 48 or 50 days um, from May to, to, to July. Just because these nine wins have come over the span of, like, two and a half months, not three weeks. Um, and, and to me, there is a bit of a concern. Um, the fact that he didn't even back up in the Sunday game, I, I get they're really uh, taking... A, 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 an approach with an abundance of caution on him. But, you know, why is that? Is that because they're so concerned that Freddie's not going to be able to get back and that if Campbell should be out long-term, then they're in a, a real tight spot? Or is it that he really is uh, hanging by that much of a, a thread that uh, Campbell's status is also in question? Like, there hasn't been a lot of clarity in terms of what exactly is going on from a health standpoint with the goalies. Um, and to me, if I'm, if I'm Kyle Dubas, he's obviously got more information on that than you and I do. Um, but if there is any element of concern that, that Campbell is, you know, a play away from a long-term injury and that Freddie Anderson's return remains not imminent, I think that's got to be priority number one for Kyle before next Monday to go out and get a goalie because this team is too good to take that risk um, to go into the playoffs with with that lack of reliability in net. We've seen what happens, and the blueprint is Colorado last year, and their third option was the guy who's the third option for this Toronto team right now. It's no disrespect to Michael Hutchison, but if he's your guy in the third round um, or into a cup final, you're probably not winning many games. Yeah, totally agree with that. So nobody's really secure about the goaltending for the Leafs. And the reason that we bring that up is, and I think this might be the first time in in recent memory that when we watch the Leafs play now, uh, a good month before the playoffs start, uh, we we, we look at them, not what they're achieving now, but how it projects 
mm-hmm. into the playoffs. So, you know, nobody's really concerned about what the Leafs are going to do here. They're in control of their own plight, and there, there are no real worries that way. So anytime we do an, any analysis here, it's how does this how does this go forward into the into a playoff series and against specific teams? They're certainly get a, getting a good look at everybody in their own division. So the goaltending thing is precarious. I don't know who you could acquire that that could uh, that wouldn't get in the way of your other acquisitions because as I looked at the cap room this morning, they have 185k for space, uh, and that's like 13th on the list. There are 10 teams with zero dollars. Yeah. space so so i don't know how this works but there's always a creative way to do it but it's going to be uh, i guess a limitation going forward isn't it well it is i mean they can barely fit you or i under the cap right now Todd, man. <laughs> and we work cheap <laughs> <laughs> and we work cheap so um it is uh it is a tightrope that kyle's gonna have to walk but i mean i don't know if you agree with me on this but we seem to get caught up in oh they need another you know, maybe second line left winger. They need some depth on D. And I don't disagree with that. But to go back to the point that I made just a moment ago, um, because of the space that you find yourself with um, under the cap, if that only puts you in a position where you're able to consummate one transaction, to me, you have to be sure between the pipes. And if that is an area where you are unsure, then so be it. That's the only transaction you make to sure up between the pipes. Because if, if you end up running into a problem in goal, to me, if you go out and get a, a, an improvement on left wing or you go out and you add some depth on D, doesn't much matter if you end up having to go to the well in goal and what you see in the well is not something that you're happy with. Do you agree with me on that? Or Absolutely, I, I do. Although this is a tricky situation because, you know, to get another goalie in there, uh, you'd have to pair out some salary. And, and I, I think people would go to, well, move Hutch out. But Hutch is there for a number of reasons. One of them would be uh, the expansion draft. So you have to be careful how you do all this stuff. You know, that, that's a real interesting fine-tuned juggling act, but but I would agree with you. You cannot go into a, a playoff run, and, and, and the people that make these decisions know the full extent of Campbell and, and Anderson in terms of what they're playing with or, or trying to work through, but if you've got a question mark there, that would undermine yeah. the whole thing. Well, it's, it's okay. So you go out, let's say you acquire Nick Foligno. Oh, that makes your second line look a little bit nicer. Oh, you go out, you get David Savard. Um, he, he strengthens your back end a little bit. Um, and then come the middle of the second round, you got to turn to Michael Hutchison. Well, curtains, right? Like you're not winning yeah. a cup. So it's just, it's, it's as simple as that to me. And again, no disrespect to Hutchison. He's been good um, when they've had to call upon him in the regular season. But, but man, I mean, I, I'm just, I'm sorry. I, I can't project um, a future scenario where you win a Stanley Cup if he's the guy that you got to turn to night in and night out. I, I just can't. Maybe he proves me wrong, but... Um, that's a hell of a risk to take with a team that otherwise I think is as good of a Stanley Cup contender um, as there is because, you know, there's a lot to like with what you're seeing with this team. Tavares and Nylander are starting to come to life a little bit on the second line. I thought, uh, quite honestly, the two of them had their two best games in quite some time against Calgary over the weekend here, especially at even strength, which is something you and I have been talking about on this show for a little while now. It was good to see them come to life. If, if you can get something out of them consistently and Matthews and Marner just continue to hum along and do their thing, uh, and then you chip in down the lineup with guys like Spezza, who 
man, you want to talk about value contracts. Find me maybe outside of Carter Verhage, a better one in the NHL. Spets has been unbelievable. I mean, this team is this team is really, really good. Yeah, healthy, it's good. So I think anything they're doing at the trade deadline is to fortify in case of injury. Going back to that goalie situation, as you were describing that, I got a, a quick flashback to uh, the, the, the two cups in a row Detroit won in the, in the late 90s. So they're going for cup number three. And at the trade deadline, uh, they acquire Chelios, Wendell Clark, Alf Samuelson, and Bill Ranford. Mm-hmm. Detroit sweeps the Ducks in the first round, 4 nothing. Chris Osgood gets injured against Colorado in the second round. Ranford has to play, and he's at the end of his career, obviously. Wins the first two games in Colorado. The second game was a shutout. Go back to Detroit for game three, and it was clear that he didn't have his confidence. Start letting in soft goals. The wings were eliminated the next four games. They put Osgood back in hurt. I mean, this is what we're, yeah. this is what we're talking about. Nothing to do with the individual. One soft goal in a playoff series can turn it right around. It, it, it's a hundred percent true. Um, and it's a great example that you bring up. And, uh, just like I said, to me, to look to, to more recent times, Colorado is the very blueprint from, from less than a calendar year ago. That right. team, that team was capable of, of winning a Stanley cup, but then, uh, they ran into a big problem in net. Philip Grubauer got hurt. Um, Pavel Francouz was, um, not, not reliable. And then he got hurt. And then Hutchison, you know, he stood on his head for, I think it was a game there. But eventually, uh, that well ran dry, and Colorado was out of the playoffs prematurely. If they had had, um, you know, uh, Yaroslav Halak is a, is a tough example because he's been one of the better backups for a number of years. So that might be overestimating the type of guy that you need to get. Um, but you, you just need, you need a National League caliber goalie who can go into the net um, and just and just give you goaltending that can be relied upon. You don't need Vesna Trophy caliber goaltending, but you need better than AHL caliber goaltending. You know what I mean? Like yeah. AHL caliber goaltending is is Michael Hutchison, where okay, sometimes he looks really good, but then there's other games where you know one between the wickets and one between his glove and his body, and in the first nine minutes, and it's like, oh, man, game's over with. Or, you know, Garrett Sparks, where it's swim all over the ice, and sometimes it hits him another time. Those type of goalies, that's AHL-caliber goaltending. You need NHL-caliber goaltending. Uh, and after Campbell uh, and, um, and, uh, and, and Freddie Anderson right now, um, I'm, not, I'm not sure if the Leafs have that. And, you know, you look at, at Carolina right now, uh, Donnie Waddell has been suggesting that they might be using one of their net minders as a trading chip to strengthen their team in advance of the deadline because they've got three NHL-caliber goalies uh, in Morazic who returned and looked quite good the other night in a shutout win on uh, Alex Nedeljkovic, who's been outstanding in his rookie year. And, oh, who does that leave? Jimmy Reimer. Could he be an option for this team? Optimus Rhymes. I mean, because he he'd be an improvement, right, on what they well, have right now. He's he's a National League caliber goalie. Well, here's the funny thing: is the Leafs could well acquire Reimer or Bernier if they yep. wanted to at the yep. trade deadline. Uh, but but whoever it is has to be. I mean, it's one of those situations where you know if you if you're convinced that you have to have to do this, then you bring the guy in and you almost hope you don't need him because mm-hmm. you'd want your other two to be healthy. But so the guy has to be a makeup that if he doesn't play, he's not going to get upset. He has to understand his role. Right. And and, and that would be a guy like Reimer and or Bernier. 
Yeah, Bernie is a great example too. He's another guy that would fill that role uh, perfectly. He's he's better than Hutchison. Um, you've you've theoretically got a couple of guys ahead of him that you're you're happy with, but if you have to turn to him, uh, you feel like you've got a National League caliber goalie in the net. Where um, you know that that's from a psychological standpoint, I think that goes a long way for a group as well. Just to know that. You've got a guy that's got some some past history behind him where he's shown that he can play at this level for a relatively consistent period of time. It's an interesting scenario. We'll see what happens in a week's time. Dave, thanks very much. Last minute of play in this podcast. Thank you very much, Mike Ross. And time now for the Yes Guy, No Guy Awards to end off episode 25 of Leafs Guy. Austin Matthews on a tear lately. Oh, Yes Guy. Jake Campbell, unbeatable, 9-0. Oh, yes, guy. The Leafs overall, 7-0-1 in their last eight. Another, oh, yes, guy. New category here, Leafs power play. Oh, no, guy. What is that? Let's hope that the power play goal from Matthews in Monday night is the turning point for the Leafs power play because up until now, a complete, oh, no, guy. Hope you enjoyed episode 25. Hope you come back for episode 26 on Friday.